When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't. Good evening and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. It's just the two of us today. I'm joined by Matt Candela. Matt Candela, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, a little bit flat after that. Uh, never nice to get a 4-0 drubbing. Um, and that's what it was in the end. But, you know, there's some positives to pick through. And what I'm glad about is we're not having a podcast with existential questions about who the manager should be or where we go next we know where we're going we're trusting the process uh these days are inevitable we said that before the game and and we've got to keep saying it after the game yeah this is definitely going to be a no catastrophizing podcast it's amazing that arsenal go on such a long unbeaten run and you know you read through the twitter feed and people are saying Thomas Party is a waste of money. Arsenal are finished. It's like, you've got, got to pull yourself out of that extremist viewpoint every time. Like, we've had a, we've had a really good run. We've got a really young team. Uh, and days like this will happen. Um, you know, we've just got to minimise them. So, Matt, I am going to go to you uh, for the hottest take of the day. What was, uh, what's your key takeaway from Arsenal versus Liverpool away at Anfield? Um, biggest take. Game of two halves, really. Um, I know they scored around the 40th minute, but I loved so much of what we saw in the first half. Clearly, we were second best in a lot of departments, but we came with a plan. Uh, We had structure. We had fight. We were winning balls. We were up for it. And I think, you know, the fact that the temperature got heated, the fact that Klopp and Arteta were involved in a bit of tete-a-tete, was a demonstration of the fact that Liverpool weren't getting all their own way and didn't like it. And I thought that was one of the most positive 40 minutes I've seen because um, we're normally 4-0 down after 40 minutes, <laughs> uh, frankly, uh, at Liverpool and, and City. So that was already really positive. Um, but then the second half, you know, flat as a pancake, really. Uh, 4-0. Um difficult to pick through the positives in that half. So I'm going to have to stick to the positives in the first half and and then second half we'll just have to consign to the history books. But certainly felt a lot different from the 5-0 uh, earlier in the season to City. It was a different kind of game, a different kind of performance. Um, there's a lot more. Uh, Arteta has got fan capital again, one of our favourite words. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we move on, right? Yeah, we do. I think um, I think you've covered off. Um, I think you've covered off the hot takes 
pretty well. My, my my hot take is that when when we come up against a team that presses hard, I don't think our midfield shows like it should. I, I thought that you know we were chatting through the game. Arsenal can play out the back now. It's you know we've we've re-engineered the back five. There's probably six or seven players in the squad now that can play in a in our defence and move the ball around with confidence all game. I think we're lacking a little bit in midfield. We saw it against Brighton when we were put under heavy pressure um, that the midfield didn't really show. We saw it against Palace um, after 20 minutes and the midfield didn't show. And today I, I just expected a little bit more from Thomas Partey um, in particular. Sambi Laconga is extremely green to the Premier League. I think he's done an excellent job. Um, he's going to have days like that, but you know, we really need our midfield to, to show in games like that. And we can't just be relying on Alex Lacazette as the pivot point. So th- there's a lot of work to do um, on that front. But it, it was a game of two halves. It was better than Manchester City in the Chelsea game. I thought that there were um, some real positives. I thought that for 45, <laughs> for 40 minutes, we looked like, uh, no, no, let's just be honest, for the whole of the first half, you know, it, big teams go one nil down. We looked like we thought that we belonged. And that's a that's a shift forward. I, I, you know, I felt even when we've won big away games against top teams um, under Arteta, I haven't always felt that we've gone there with belief. It's it's been very sort of like apocalypse now. You know, Moel Nenny like throwing himself at the ball after five minutes, uh, like we're you know clinging on to a cup final. I felt like the there was a there was a lot of good technical play out there. I think I thought we had a plan. We weren't as naive. Um, for the most part, in the first 40 minutes. But then it's a young team. Nuno Tavares makes that uh, that big error. And then the whole the whole thing kind of collapsed around it. And Liverpool did go into destruction mode, um, let's be honest. But it's, uh, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a day for catastrophe. Um, but it is a day for um, trying to understand these results. So I want to I move on to, to the first topic. Uh, it was a top three collapse. We're obviously not as good as City, Chelsea and Liverpool, but I do think we should be doing better from a results perspective. Um, 4-0, 5-0 and was Chelsea, what was Chelsea result for? You're on mute. I think it was two, but it felt like it could have been 10. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it was it was quite a lot of quite a lot of goals to be conceding against big teams. What do you think is is causing this? Is this fear in the system? Is this naivety? Is this tactical setup? Like, or is this just part of the learning curve? Like, what, what's going on with Arsenal losing against top three teams so heavily? Well, first of all, I think there's a little bit of a difference. I think it's top two um, because for some reason, I think Chelsea are the best team in the league at the moment, but we don't have the psychological issue with Chelsea. Like we don't, we, we, we don't very often go to Stamford Bridge. It feels more like a London derby in that we can still be out of form and go to Stamford Bridge and it can be a tough game. And I know there's been a couple of horror shows there, but, you know, we've also won there uh, relatively consistently over the years. Um, maybe not quite so much in recent years, but there's certainly not the fear factor. There's certainly not the feeling that we're going to be 4-0 down after 30 minutes. And, in the games that matter, two FA Cup finals in recent years, um, you know, we've won them both. So I don't think it's about Chelsea. I think it's about Liverpool and City. I think it is a psycho- I think it is a psychological issue. One hundred percent, there's a psychological issue about um, those two teams. We think that they're better than us, um, and there's just 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 some scars. So the thing that pleased me about today about the first 40 minutes was um, we approached it in the right way to not get a drubbing. And then once we scored, I mean, the truth is every single one of us, you, me, every supporter, as soon as that first goal went in, we all thought, all oh, right, well, that's, that's, our we hope. that's our hope's gone. We couldn't see any result. The only result we could possibly see against Liverpool was if we scored first and could hang on or, or whatever. Um, so it's difficult to blame the players for feeling the same as all the fans uh, in, in, in many ways. So um, I think it's going to be a process. I think the first thing we've got to start doing is beating 
Liverpool and City at home. And I think that will give us the confidence to approach the away game in a different way. But these are teams at the moment that we lose to home and away. Um, and, we've got to, and, we've, and we've got to start changing it. So I think it's start at home, um, move on away. Um, but I thought today was, 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 was an improvement. I really do. And we showed a lot of fight, a lot of character. The players will be better off for it. Um, and yeah, we've got, to, we've got to trust the process. And the reality is we look around and the results went for us. Um, with West Ham losing, with Manchester United losing. Um, let's hope Leeds can get a result tomorrow. Um, Leicester lost. Um, so we didn't lose that much ground. We didn't lose much ground. I think we're I think I think we're in fifth. And we've now played City and Liverpool um away from home. So, you know, onwards and upwards. So let's see what we can do at home in the second half of the season. Let's show how much we've improved. Yeah, I, you know, talking of the, the psychological aspect of it, I think that's such a key area. Uh, I watch all of the Mikel Arteta press conferences because they're always quite interesting to see how he's developing his communications because the press conferences are for the players as much as they are for the fans. And I felt that the press conference yesterday, he's starting to position us as we are, we are going away to Liverpool to try and win games. And that felt like a bit of a shift because he, he, he sounded much more confident. And I, I wonder whether part of this process is Arteta's got to start creating um, an us versus them mentality. You know, Arsenal versus Man United wasn't just a top of the table result. It was a war because and we always felt that we were in the war. And I know it's only a minor thing, but I did love Arteta going over to have a fight with a guy, you know, a foot bigger than him in the touchline because it starts to set the, it's it's started to feel like a battle. It almost felt at times, and I know, listen, it's a joke. We're talking about 40 good minutes, but for 40 minutes, I felt like, uh, I felt the way that, that I had when we used to watch Arsenal versus Man United. And I know, I know that that's so over the top because I know the gap is, is so big. But it felt like a war. It felt like well, a battle. It felt well, like I a think, battle where we were second best. No, but... I, I I completely agree. And um, and I've seen people in the comments who are going, "You're you're chatting absolute shit." Basically, embarrassing result. Uh, should have shown more. No improvement. Four nil. And I just totally disagree with that because for the first half of the game, um, I'm watching it on TV. Unfortunately, I would love to be there, but you're watching it on TV, and I'm standing up watching it. Because you're 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 feeling every single challenge that's happening, and you feel like the team are committed in every challenge. And maybe that should be a baseline. Of course, it should be a baseline, but it hasn't been a baseline for Arsenal. And I think every fan watching that first half felt the same, which was we're giving it our everything. I thought we were massively deficient um, in, in 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 skill. Um, from an offensive standpoint, I think everybody was pretty poor uh, offensively um, in the top half of the team. However, um, you couldn't fault the effort. And that has to be the baseline. And these players have given a lot um, in in recent weeks. So we're not going to say too much. But, you know, Saka had three chances where he's facing a man just inside the box and he picked the wrong, the wrong decision three times, um, you know, and, and, and if he, and if he makes the right decision once we could be one nil up and the game's a different game. So we were getting in the right positions. We just weren't able to, to capitalize. Yeah. I, I it's the, uh, I think fans have an unrealistic expectation of fans are like, this is the big test. This is how, this is when Arteta proves his metal. It's like, Fans expect a, a, a win in every single game, and like the the inability to deal with uh, with disappointing results that have green shoots and and positive attributes around them is just uh, is just the the modern football day fan to, to be perfectly honest. But there were um, there were positives off the back of it. I actually think the, the the bigger concern in the in the second half was like there's a there's an art to keeping things respectable. Perhaps we haven't learned against the bigger sides. Like going two 0 down at Anfield shouldn't mean everybody's head drops, and it did. You know, we got um, uh, uh, Liverpool beat us into submission, and I, I don't want to say that we gave up, but we didn't. We didn't fight with the same ferocity 
in, in the second half. And the, the Nuno Tavares error, which was a terrible error, um, and I really feel for him because he's been so good, took the wind out of everybody. You know, like sometimes there's a, sometimes there's a type of goal that deflates a team and it's not a 30-yard screamer. It's not a spectacular goal. Sometimes it's one of those mistakes that you're like, ah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna collapse because we played Jota through with a with a beautiful pass. It shouldn't be that sort of day, but um, but there's a you know Liverpool are the standard in the Premier League, and they are going to hand out batterings this season. You know we've seen it with other sides. Uh, we are the youngest team in the Premier League, and we do have to keep on reminding ourselves. I think the slight disappointment in games like that is sometimes our our senior players need to show in games like that and pick everybody up. And back in the day, Patrick Vieira was picking you up. Thierry Henry, Gilberto, Tony Adams, Sol Campbell. I don't think our senior players live in that world. I think our young players map back to some of the best young players we've seen at Arsenal over the last 15 years. But, you know, Thomas Partey needs to be showing up today. Aubameyang, you know, having the stat for the most pressures in the Premier League, is not the win everybody thinks it is. Even myself, you know, I'm like always running around. It's not, um, he doesn't run around with intent like a, an Ivan Tony is. He doesn't run around with intent like Joshua King did for Watford today. It's um, it's kind of passive pressures, if that makes any sense. And I, I, I you know, I'd love to, I'd love to get your take on, like, what's, what are we missing with some of the senior players, is it a talent thing? Is it a leadership thing, or is it just a bad day at the office? And you know, we're, we're over exaggerating this. For me, it reminds me a little bit of the Leno Bellerin uh, sort of situation. Even holding last last season, we do not think that Bert Leno is a problem. We don't. We think he's a decent goalkeeper. He's probably the least of our problems. And then you bring in a goalkeeper like Ramsdale and you're like, oh, fuck. That's what we'd be missing. Now I see yeah. it. Same with Hector Veteran. You know, oh, you know, Hector's an okay right back. He probably should still be playing ahead of people like Suarez. You bring in Tommy Yassi, you're like, oh, wow. Now I see what we'd be missing. And I think we're still caught up. I think we're going to have the same aha moment when we have the chance to bring in the striker that we're probably going to bring in in the summer, whoever that person is, whether it, but I think it's going to be a different type of player. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be bigger. Um, it may not be a, a, a 30 goal a season. It may be a 15 goal a season with, with more build up play, but I think we're going to be like, Oh wow. Now we, we feel like we've got, uh, there's, there's a, there's that we've got a, a spear with a tip on it, you know? Because at the moment, we feel like a bit of a, a blunt instrument. And, you know, the reality is we've got Aubameyang and Lacazette sort of working together. But I think there's probably players out there who could give us what both of those give us in one player. Um, yes. And, yes. And then we could find another role for someone else because they're not that dangerous. They're really not. And the best thing that Lacazette did, which he did really, really well, was... You know, he won challenges, <laughs> dropping deep into midfield. He broke up the play. He pressed. That's not what we need from one of our front three. Look how dangerous they were today, Liverpool. You know, we need those types of players. The quality we've got. And I thought that there was a really interesting piece in the Athletic around age profiles. And, you know, the strikers was where we have the biggest issue because we've got Eddie and Balogun, who are like four, year, four or five years below peak, and Eddie's never going to make it at Arsenal. And then we've got Lacazette and Aubameyang, who are past peak, and it's just been that area of the pitch has been mismanaged. It needs to be re-engineered in the same way that we re-engineered the defence. And you can see the difference it makes when you bring in the quality. Um, but that's the thing. It's like Liverpool don't. Liverpool today didn't need to worry that we might score. They didn't need to worry. That 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 was no one that, asked like, questions. Of, like we of the we, two we we may have scored. You know, we, we often just scored some quite lucky goals at Anfield every year, but we were never gonna we were never gonna dominate proceedings. We didn't have a Thierry Henry. We didn't have an Arshavin. Um and and we desperately need someone like that. So 
Um, we need to completely re-engineer it. I think everyone at the club knows it. I don't think it's even rocket science. And I know everyone's been on the Lacazette train and all of that. No, you know no, 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 no. <laughs> right. No, Just don't no, do it. No short-term deals. No. No, we need we need to invest heavily. We need to spend 60, 70 million dollars pounds on a top quality striker. Probably need to buy we might even need to buy two strikers. We might need to buy a younger one. Like a Lokonga esque player for up front. You know, a player who's maybe like 20, 21, 22, highly promising, maybe from a league like the Dutch League or the or the Belgian League or something. And then we need to buy a top quality player from like Serie yeah. A or or somewhere like that and just and go all in because I think as soon as we get it in, we'll go, how the hell are we managing with these guys? And Obama Yang's been great. I love him. I still do. I think he's doing everything he can. But this new team, this new model, the way modern football works, you can't get away with it. I mean, think how uh, Aguero and, and Guardiola, Guardiola really, if he's really honest, never thought Aguero was quite up to what he wanted. He was yep. always he was always trying to get rid of him, trying to bench him. It's just Aguero's just sheer force of personality and sheer ability to score goals, always managed to keep him in contention. But he was always trying something else, Guardiola. He's always trying something new. And and I think that that that, that we need uh, a different type of different type of offensive striker. So that's gonna be really, really crucial in, in, in the summer. Yeah, it's um I just think back to some of the some of the Premier League strikers of the past that would work really well in this team. And we spoke about it a little before. Olivier Giroux in this team would be incredibly effective even with his limitations on his pace, because he's a great link-up player. And those Kieran Tierney and Tommy Asu crosses going into the box, you'd have somebody to finish them. And he'd also bring player. He was, you know, Olivier Giroud was so good at his peak, bringing other players into the game. And he had size and he was always a threat. You know, sometimes his finishing wasn't sharp, but, you know, he'd be good for 20 goals a season in in this setup. And I think he'd bring out um, the, the best of the squad. And then you think back, you know, imagine a Luis Suarez in this side or even, even more grotesque, a Diego Costa. Imagine a Diego Costa well, you type know, striker. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, I think all of those are good shouts. And I think, I think that's why we need two. Um, and, and just to make it more, even more grotesque. Uh, and we're, I, I feel a bit sick just thinking about his name. Uh, Adebayor up top. Oh, Mobile, uh, Dangerous in the air, mean, mean, just, just, just can run the line. Um, and then you have someone like him up top, and then you have someone like a Luis Suarez on the left of a front three, and you have a couple like like the, the combination of those types of players. Because frankly, our front three is it's it's now bang average. It's bang average. That's that's just the the reality of it. They we can only play in a certain way, and that way is not the Arsenal way right now. So. Uh, it's it's more the sort of the the, the Arsene Wenger 2016 vintage, really. But it's 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 good that we're you know when you look at the names that we've been linked quite heavily to over the last uh, three four months, you can see a pattern. We've been linked with Dominic, Dominic uh, Calvert Lewin, uh, who is dominant in the air, athletic, a real bully. Uh, we've been linked with Vlahovic. I think that's how you say it. At yep. Fiorentina, 21 years old. Doesn't quite have the goal scoring record at the moment, but a monster, a, an absolute beast. And he might end up at Juventus, but you can see the profile that they're looking at. Somebody that has power, the power and pace um, of, of, of a Adebay or, or a Thierry Henry, but someone that can also hold up the ball, someone that's a threat from corners. Because at the moment, when you have to distribute between two strikers. I mean, like Aubameyang offered absolutely nothing today. Absolutely nothing. Um, because he's got no physical presence. And then you've got Lacazette, who offers great link-up play. But against Liverpool, that's going to get snuffed out because Liverpool are too good to, to worry about a player like Lacazette opening them up. But I, I, I do think, I know that we love Saka. And I know that we love Emil Smith-Rowe. But reality is, they're very junior. I mean, you talk, you, you know, you spoke at like... Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe had a bad game today. He, you know, he wasn't brought into it at all, and that probably wasn't helped by the midfield. But Bukayo Saka 
had three great opportunities to put Arsenal on the score sheet, either with an assist or an early shot. And he blew them all. And you don't get that many chances against Liverpool, uh, Anfield uh, at the moment. So I think there's plenty of work to be done on the offensive section of the game. But I guess the reassurance that we can have is that the club seem to have got you know up their game with scouting. I, I don't believe that there's going to be a mess when it comes to making this decision. And it also sounds that, you know, listening to the Josh Kroenke interview on Sky Sports the other week, it also sounds like he's game to invest. You know, he talked about bringing in young players from Halen, bringing in young players from um, that have experience and, and when needed, they will sprinkle a bit of magic stardust on the club, which I assume is like a Pepe-like signing, but someone that's uh, not dripping in, uh, uh, you know... I won't say it because I, I don't want to get sued, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Uh, okay, yeah. so move- no, no, no. I think that, and I think um, the point around Smith Rowe and Saka is, you know, we we love them. There are there are our head end boys, um, but today they were both poor. Um, they look like boys, and I like think boys, that though. one of the biggest. I think the issue was probably a massive come down from uh, the England squad, especially for Smith Rowe. To come in, get a late call up, make his England debut on whatever it was, Tuesday or Wednesday night, score. Then you come back and you've got to play Liverpool. And, uh, you know, he he didn't have that usual bit of extra energy, that ability to burst through players. I think probably quite emotionally drained from all of that. And that's the, that's the difference between good players and great players. The great players is is they do it three times a week. You know, they play a big game on the weekend, they're man of the match. They play in the Champions League on the Wednesday, they're man of the match. And then they play the following week and beat a mid-table team, you know, despite feeling exhausted and win 2-1. That's what that's what players at, at clubs like Chelsea and Liverpool and City do. And we, our players look leggy. And, and the only way we were going to win this this game, in, in, in hindsight, was if we had a free run at it all week and Liverpool had a big Champions League game in midweek. And we didn't get that because we have players coming in from everywhere. There was a level playing field. There wasn't enough time to prepare. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, it, it makes you realise because, I mean, I think someone in the comments, ESL was so lost against Liverpool. It was sad to see. I don't think that's a reflection on his ability. I think it's just a reflection of the past couple of weeks, just catching up with him. I think he needs a little a little break and... You know, maybe maybe Erdegaard should have started instead of Smith Rowe today. Yeah, that's a that's a good shout, and there's going to be opportunities for change in the next game. Uh, Mister v, uh, v Wellington or Wellington said, "What's uh, what's Pepe dripping in?" Uh, I won't say it out loud, but I would say go and have a look at um, at some of the transfers Napoli and Lille have done, and look at what the Italian FA is investigating um, with regards to uh, a very uh, a very good striker that they've signed recently, and then try and correlate that transfer with the Nicolas Pepe transfer and then see where you land uh, in in conclusions. And I won't say it in here because everything has to be or allegedly... You, or, or you could just make it much simpler and go, how much would you pay for Nicolas Pepe? What do you think of fair prices? Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, so um, moving on. And I know we briefly touched on it, but I do want to touch on... Um, on midfield bravery. And I know I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I felt the the midfield went missing today. And I know this is going to piss people off, but I felt like today was a Granite Jacker Thomas Partey day. I think in big games, Thomas Partey isn't quite the lead midfielder that we need and he needs a foil. And Granite Jacker makes errors and he can be a pain in the ass sometimes, but he always shows in the midfield and I think there's been two or three occasions this season where we could have done with a, a Granite Jacker next to Thomas Party because I ultimately think that that's probably the best partnership. And I suspect come December, Granite will be back in the side because I actually think that um, that he offers us a lot. And at the stage of his career that Sambi Lekonga is in, um, I, I think that Sambi will have to fight for his place. I wanted to get your take on that because I know that sometimes you do not like it when I say that Granite Jacker is missing from the side. What do you think? Well, I mean, no one really likes it, but I mean, it's difficult to disagree. Lukonga looked lightweight today. I mean, I think most people would would have looked lightweight today. I think that was just the nature of the game, um, the quality of the opposition. 
the fact that you know we didn't have a week's preparation focusing specifically on this game to like do all our drills and everything like that like we have had so so yeah um i mean the thing about Xhaka as well though i mean yeah, i have to say it is you know you he, there's a, there's always a mistake waiting to happen so always yeah so so and, and they tend to happen when he's under the most pressure and it doesn't get much more pressurized than anfield so um but yeah, look, I think Lukonga has done well since he's come in. I think he looks like a really, really promising player. I think he's going to be a lot better for this season. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. He looks a bit, little bit lightweight in there. Um, lacking a little bit of confidence today, maybe. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I think I think the other thing is, is Partey. I saw some people having a go at his performance today. I thought he was brilliant for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Um, in that sort of deeper role, just clearing up on the edge of our box, really, 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 really strong. And then second half, he looked, I mean, he looked exhausted. Um, so I wonder whether the injury caught up with him or maybe he hasn't been training so much, but he was way off the pace. And I think that fourth goal they scored, you sort of see him running into the picture about half an hour after the event. So um, maybe maybe a bit of, bit, of, bit, of, bit, of, bit of fitness issues in there. Part, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's a he's a he's a funny old player, Thomas Party, and um, I think he's really really good, but he sure does make a hell of a lot of mistakes for um, and, and let you down on things for someone who is you know really good. Sometimes um, a little bit sloppy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't remember him being like that at, at Letico. I know he's got a sort of maybe a slightly more structure, a slightly wider remit um, here, but you know. He doesn't need to have a wider remit against Liverpool away. We need to do him just break up play, sit in front. Um, and I saw a couple of interesting tactical pieces, which was, was always man marking um, uh, some Liverpool midfielders at one point. So, uh, you know, when that player dropped back, I think it was uh, the number six of Liverpool. It was party was was right up the pitch near the strikers. So interesting role that he was he was he was assigned today. Um, you know, not 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 his worst, not his best. Um, I think he we we signed him thinking that maybe he was the dominant person in midfield, and the reality is just because he looks so physically imposing, so big. But you know, I think where we're getting to is he might be the 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 less dominant of a part of a two partner, and you know, if if the money could have could have been made to work. I'd have loved to have seen someone like Bissouma uh, just sat in there as well, just someone big and powerful. We, or the, we, we, the we, Monaco we, lad uh, who's a French oh, international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, can't, I don't know how to say his name. Shoot, we missed yeah. the boat on that guy, haven't we? Um, but, I know. Yeah. He's going to be yeah. an expensive player coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about something positive because there were positives from the game and I just want to talk about... Uh, Johnny's oh. not here. I'm a Ramsdaleian. <laughs> Aaron Ramsdale, I love him. I I love him. You know, he he kept the scoreline respectable. He showed that he does belong at the very highest level in Premier League football. He is one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. And I don't think that that is an exaggeration. He's a top three goalkeeper at the moment. I think you'd be hard pushed to name two, two goalkeepers playing better football than him. What do you think? Unbelievable saves today. Um a couple of them were like um it was like scoring a goal. They were that big. Yeah. And not just that, but the way that he 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 loved it so much. He was so up for it. And um and yeah, it was it was just great to see that that the second saves, uh and just his reaction after it just lifts everyone. He is so up for it. He loves defending. The defenders are coming over to him, they're jumping on him. Finally, we look like a team who actually enjoyed defending, um, which is a big part of winning football matches. So, so yeah, I um, I'm, I'm absolutely loving him. He's uh, yeah, he's signing up the season. While you're seeing to your daughter, uh, we can go through a few little comments um, that, are, that are coming up. In uh, it, we've got uh, Chad Soma on Twitch. The youngest team in the Premier League was beat soundly by probably the most experienced team in the Premier League at Anfield. That's not an unreasonable thing to happen. Our kids will have learned 
more today losing than if we scrapped a one-one draw. Uh, Chad, I am I am in uh, agreement there. Uh, we've got uh, Stephen Jenner, same similar result as previous years, but somehow it doesn't seem quite so bad. Have to keep in mind how many inexperienced players were out there. Uh, similar to Chad and uh, similar to uh, opinion to, to, to Matt and, and I. Um, and uh, just because I want a positive reinforcement here, Alfin Felix said, we missed experience. Jacker is the most important piece of our squad. Alfin, you're going to get some pelters in the comments uh, for that. We've got a question uh, from, from YouTube. And if you are listening on YouTube, please subscribe. We're at 850 subs. It's a little bit embarrassing. Um, Deflected Mind said, one question, guys. Since Arteta came, uh, we haven't had a steady attack in performance. Do people believe he can achieve that in his time at Arsenal? I'm going to put that question to you, Matt. You're a mute. I probably lost the impact of that. But Tottenham Hotspur, remember that? Um, I thought that was a very steady attacking performance. Villa, thought that was a very steady attacking performance. I think we're getting there. I think we've got uh, a blockage in the system with uh, with the talent at disposal at the, at the very very top end, um, but I think I think it's happening. I think it's getting better. I think he can achieve it. I think he wants to achieve it. Um, it may be a bit stop start this season until we can rejig some more options, but um, I think it's going to happen. Great question, deflected mind. Uh, so let's move on um, to. So how do we react? Because uh, yeah. I know that we're a little bit tight to tight for time today. But I want to I want to talk about how we react, Matt, because we've basically played the same starting eleven for a number of games, which we've been highly successful in. There are players now knocking on the door. Erdegaard is sitting on the bench, not looking very happy with life at the moment. Uh, Kieran Tierney is now back in contention. I suspect Jacker will be in contention within the next two weeks. Uh, what do you think the reaction is going to be of Arteta? Does he continue with the same side, or does he have to? Does he have to change some things up? Is there a way in for Eddie? Can Balogun get a game? What about well, Martinelli? Where do we go from here, Matt? Well, I think we looked. We've looked at every part of the season in our little blocks. You know, we in our in our second phase, international break to international break. We went we're in phase four. We're in phase. We're in phase four. Yep, we're in phase yep. four, and. Um, and I think what you're going to see today is uh, fan capital is going to mean that this defeat is not going to uh, stoke up the Twitter sphere in as much uh, in, 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 in ways that it would have done earlier on in the season. And I just saw a message which I think is is also true, which is that um, you know if we were on a bad run right now, they'd be getting a hammering for that performance. And 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 whether and, and that's not to say it's a bad performance. It's just we have the fan capital. Uh, we can come back from this. We're just going to get straight back on the training pitch. We're going to follow through. But I've just been looking at the fixtures coming up, and I think this one's a really important one, right? So next game is Newcastle at home, um, and I think we'll win that. And that Eddie and- Eddie Howe's first in in the dugout because he was uh, had COVID today. Ah, oh, well. Yeah, I uh, hope, he, hope he feels better, but uh, not too much better for when we when we try and put a few past him. I think that'll be good. I think we're, we're be at home. When, again, we've had the full week uh, to prepare for that, which I think is one of those crucial pieces of this season that we've really, really got to make the most of it. It's like that you don't normally get that. No elite club gets that. They're playing it, even if they're playing in the European League. So I think that's going to be really, really good. But the next game after that, Manchester United away. Ooh, and I it's think on a Thursday a, night. And I think that's a really interesting game. I mean, I think Ole will be gone. Uh, they they put a press conference in tomorrow. Um, so he looks done. Uh, you know, put a fork in it after that. Did you watch ball. it today? Did you watch the Watford game? It was I didn't, diabolical. I didn't, I didn't see it, but I mean, it, it looked like a bit of a downing of tools uh, to, uh, from, what I, from, what I, from what I heard about it. But you can't lose four one at Watford. You just can't do it. So we're not even gonna Emery, come... not even Emery, lost four, conceded thirty two shots, but he didn't lose four one at Watford. So we are we're going to come into that game. I mean, what an error from Manchester United to let Conte go to Spurs and then fire your manager three weeks later. Unbelievable. 
Conte is almost the perfect manager for their job. It'd be short term, but he'd get he'd get a he'd get something out of those players. They could, they could, he could he could get them challenging for the league this season with that squad. I really I really yeah. I really think so. So, but it's going to be an interesting game because you only have a certain amount of fan capital, and if we lose against Manchester United, regardless of the bounce everyone's going to be like, that team lost 4-1 to Watford two games ago. I mean, we're the only team who's losing to them. They've lost to everyone all season. They've been terrible. They're a rival. So we cannot get beat at Old Trafford now. Just these drubbings just mean we can't. We can't be two wins and th- two losses out of the next three games. We can't be in the fourth block three points from from nine. Um, it, it, so... so it's always going to be like this, but we have to we have to get we have to get a minimum of of four points from from the next two games, uh, and that's just 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 a reality of how we build this block because the game after that, Everton away, not an easy one, and so you don't want to be going to, into that Everton game with two defeats in your last three games because then you're really you know you you don't get points against Everton and the, and the knives are back out for Arteta. That's how crazy uh the premier league is how competitive it is i think half the managers have been canned because of this pressure so um it's going to be a really really interesting block um we, Fa- we have phase we four yeah. is te- is 10 games so it's quite uh i mean what would uh what, what would a realistic expectation be for you 22 points from this i mean where would you where do we line up on there 20 well, I think it's different. I mean, I think we've got Newcastle, which I think we should win. We've got United, which we've got to draw. We've got Everton away, which we've got to draw. So that's that's five points. And then Southampton at home, we should win. Um, West Ham eight, at home. Eight. We've got to beat West Ham at home because yeah. they're a rival. That's 11. Uh, Leeds just before Christmas. I think we've got to win that. That's 14. Yeah, uh, Norwich away. We've got to win that at seventeen. Wolves at home. We've got to win that. That's twenty because we're going to lose to City on the first. So I think, I think we've got to go for twenty points in phase four, um, and that's and so that would mean win all your games apart from apart from draw two and lose one. Uh, so so seven uh, seven wins, two draws, and a defeat. Yeah, and then uh, and then as we enter phase five. Of the season, which doesn't come with an international break, but it does come, it does come with a fifteen-day break um, after Jan one. It is Spurs yep. away. Spurs away. Conte will be settled by then, so that well, will he'll, be he'll, uh, he'll be settled big... and will have played City and probably lost on January the first. So, um, you know, you could be mid-Jan still looking for a point in 2022. So um, I think it's clear what we've got to do. I hope we're breaking it down like that. It isn't a good start, but we've got to move on. And um, and, and I'm confident we will. I mean, I yeah. do wonder whether whether there's an opportunity to uh, get someone like, I think I think he's probably going to Juventus, but this Fiorentina, Vlavic, who's out of contract at the end of the season, whether a 35 million the offer in January could be enough to to tempt him. I think there's going to be some movement around strikers in 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 the, in the winter break. I really do. I think uh, it's just just got that it's got that feeling. I, I also think there might be uh, loan options. Uh, Jovic at Madrid is uh, you know is is a is a hard pressing powerhouse striker with a lot of talent. Um, he was doing great things in the Bundesliga. <laughs> Um, you know, we've got a good relationship with Madrid. You know, it, and I, I think to your point earlier, it's like it, it doesn't even need to be a 30-goal-a-season striker right now because I, I actually think you just need someone with good link-up play that's going to work hard and do the things that we need for the team. Chances will come. You know, there's great crosses that come into the box, like we're getting into good spaces. But when you have to split your striking duties between two players that both lack in areas that you need, it's always going to be difficult. So uh, I wonder if we, do, you know, it's almost like this this next phase, if we do achieve 20 points from 30, there, then it is Champions worth League, investing. Champions League is on and we've got to invest in January because because I think we can, 
you know, it's it's we can we if we get twenty points, we can say, or even seventeen to twenty, we can say, uh, guys, we are we're in a shootout for fourth, and I think we can do it if we make the investment. We'll never because... have a better chance because Conte is going to be in at Spurs. United are going to have a new better coach in. Um, the other option, of course, is Tammy Abraham. I think because uh, he's not going to be at Roma for more than a year. It's not going to happen. They're seventh in Serie A. Uh, Mourinho is not turning this one round. Uh, he, he's been built, be chatting to Saka and Smith Rowe and all those players. It's really way easier to do a deal with Roma than it would have been to do a deal with Chelsea for Abraham. Um, so I wonder whether we might go back in for him because I think he's the kind of player who would, who would fit our system pretty well. And uh, Arteta wanted him in the summer for sure and was very disappointed that they couldn't get him. But I, I think the they, they, they couldn't load up. I mean, the most difficult problem that Arteta's got at the moment is Aubameyang because he's your captain. He's a huge personality. And it's, re- you know, it's really difficult to drop legends. It's like the same as United with Cristiano Ronaldo. And it's I always think going to be difficult where... to have him in the Premier League, but you can't, you can't bench Ronaldo. And I think it's uh, it, a lot of what the great podcast uh, that you and Johnny did with Perry Groves was saying, um, hopefully Arteta's learned this lesson, which is how do I get a turn out of Aubameyang this year? before we ship him out. Yeah. Um, and that's not a slight on Aubameyang. He's 32 years old. Uh, you know, he... I don't even think we had a choice on doing the deal. I think we had to had to give him a deal because imagine where we'd have been without him. Yeah. Um, I know he didn't have a good season last season, but um, you still were still reliant on his goals, uh, especially at home. So, um, so I think we had to do the deal. But I think um, the new era... Uh, as we begin, to, we've re-engineered the defence. He's been building from the back. We're re-engineering midfield, but we've yet to re-engineer up front. I don't think we've made, we haven't, Arteta's yet to make a significant signing at the top end of the pitch. And I think, uh, you know, Ben Naffa, uh, Mikel Arteta, they're all going to be going, let's, it's time to re-engineer that, that front line. We need it. We need two players. We need, we need a completely different offensive threat. Um, and I think, similarly to the way that we re-engineered the defence and you felt the impact throughout the whole team. I think it's going to be the same. I think you re-engineer it and the whole team will feel stronger, not just, you know, when we have a through ball, uh, you have someone a bit faster to get on the end of it. I think the whole structure of the team will 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 benefit from it, you know? Yeah, the plan will become clearer when people are like where is this going I think the defense that was re-engineered this summer sort of said oh I, I now I'm starting to see the plan and I think once we the cherry on top is the attack and I think if we get a really good striker that will make Saka and Smith Rowe a little bit better and it will be interesting to see you know you feel like a Patino style player in midfield long term to replace Xhaka will also open up the game a little bit more. You've got, you've got, there's a whole bunch of Haylenders that are bubbling up that aren't quite ready. They're two seasons away. Uh, we just got to make sure that we can get through because I, I think the, I think the vision for the football is exciting. And I think that um, there's still huge potential this season. I think we've got to write the, the Liverpool game off. It was always a write-off, but 20 points from phase four. Is it phase four? Yeah, phase four of the season. And if we're within spitting distance of top four, we get better. You know, we will get better. We got better after December 26th last year. And we, we, you know, we had the second most points, second most goals and third best defence. If we replicate that and we're within spitting distance in January, top four is achievable. But we've really got to stay in it. And I think it's going to be so interesting to see how this team reacts to disappointment because Arsene Wenger teams, even the greats, when we go on a 15-game unbeaten run, we'd lose a game and then it would be six or seven games of dross. Uh, Arteta's got to find a way to make sure that that doesn't happen after this game because a 4-0 defeat, it's not a, it's not a pleasant coach journey home or a charter plane or whatever they get these days. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, well, we'll, all will be revealed, right? We haven't seen much of Martinelli either. Um, maybe there's a, an opportunity for, for him to come in and, and, uh, and blow us away at the turn of the year. And December will also give us, uh, might give us a, Take us closer to a League Cup final. Sunderland quarterfinals, you'd be hoping that we could win that game and then it's just two games to a cup final. You need a bit of luck in that semi-final draw, right? You do, you do indeed. Uh, 
Uh, so that cut that cut that takes us to the end of the show. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's in the comments on uh, the YouTube live stream and the Twitch live stream. We really appreciate you engaging with the show. It's uh, it's amazing that you give us your minutes after a game, especially a horrible game like that. Matt, I want to say thank you to you uh, for showing up in a very nice Arsenal hoodie. You definitely buy the best merch these days. Uh, and on that note, we will say ciao for now. Ciao for now. Hi, I'm comedian Johnny Cochran. Now, last year, my life was turned upside down when I became a first-time dad. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, mm, this is a little bit crazy right now. How am I going to get through all of the challenges in front of me? One of the things I thought I'd do was set up a podcast talking to other fathers about their experiences. Fathers like Russell Kane. No one, no one's man is trying to suggest that what a man does is 1% of the ravages of a female's body being overtaken by its alien host. And Carl Donnelly. This is the admin bit where I'm sort of, you know, obsessing about prams and stuff like that. Oh, you've got to get a good set of wheels. I bought a vintage uh, 1960s Marmet pram. Which is so inconvenient, and it's never. We're only. It, it can't go any further than like the local park. And Doc Brown. When he hears complaining about money and how expensive it is to have kids and whatnot, they're like, "Well, you shouldn't have had us." <laughs> it's like it's your fault, and it's like, I mean, I turn around and it costs me three hundred quid. <laughs> kids are so expensive. So you can listen to those guys and more in the How's Your Father podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.